Sir, we've landed. Are we still in all go? We are go. We're dropping a secret team of robots into a country that we're not supposed to be in. It got serious the moment it was thought up. <laughs> hey! Stand up! You're all gone! Or I'll kill you! People have seen everything. Take them all down. No witnesses. Oh shit! We have an ID on him yet? Sending you a packet. Special forces, huh? This guy's a deserter. Could be the ultimate field test. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. She's a doctor. They're all doctors. They're here in a good cause mission. Come on, man. Okay, you're scaring her. You're scaring me. I'm scared. Come on! Find me like a man! Come on! You were made by humans! To affect that! We're different! I'm a man! I have life! You're a machine! This is Bianca Marie, and you're listening to Hoobazoo.com. I'm not crazy. I'm just a little emotional right now, okay? Y'all throwing all this stuff at me, man. But get, I mean, after this is over, could I like get a hug from you or something? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is a booth. Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. You're the dead MC, lying at my feet. You took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, I better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock them. Uh. Crack the Cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Host the soldiers when he says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Uh. Your girl, I'm in the. 
These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up, think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Was he African? African. African. No. He was American and he was like you. He looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Wait, like okay. you. Jew. Okay. It's an odd crime for a Jew to yeah, commit. I'm pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. no, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. Yeah. <sighs> he was Caucasian. Alright, your boys, this is the one broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth. It is December 29th, 2020. It's just a couple of days left to the end of the year. This year is pretty much blown by us due to COVID and all this other stuff. It, you know, it just seems like yesterday we were starting off the new year, heading into 2020. You know, it, it, this is crazy. So I've already got my guest on with me over here on the left below me. Maddie C sport for you and me. Maddie Cameron down below. Sporting his Sinister One production hat for the show tonight. Oh, oh, oh. Look at that, son. The gray with the white. Man, it's been it's been great. Bob Hilberg on with us tonight. Relive Pat's history. The book has been out there. And we were talking because we were talking before we went live about how long it's been since we've known each other. And the funny thing was, was we first met at the Marshfield Fair. I was actually on a show called Sports Page with Joe O'Neill. And I was there to do it with him on the stage to do a live episode with him. You were there just promoting your book, Fresh Out the Gate. Bill Buckner had just been hired as head coach of the Brockton uh, Rocks over here. And there was a, a young lady there. Well, not young, but I'll be respectful and she's, you know, rest in peace. But there was a young lady there who was one of the influences for League of Their Own. And she was great to talk to. She actually made me blush a couple of times. Um, but it was great stuff. But great to have Bob on the show. Again, Maddie Cameron on the show. Um, Matt Cameron's got his last episode is going to be up. You want to make sure you check that out. Theo Flurry, you're going to have on there for your second time to close out the season. And Tomorrow night, yeah, 7, 7 o'clock. It's been a great season for you. Bob's on here. We're going to talk about this Patriots book, Relive Pat's History, and, and, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff that went down during the game last night. Um, I'm going to hold off and talk instead of talking about my news booth stuff right away. But I do got to thank my special guest from last week, uh, Lisa Bello, who came on the show. Big props to her for coming on the show, hanging out with me. Great show, good stuff. Uh, but I got a lot of stuff to get into tonight and get into these guests. Bob, we've been around this 
many times you've been on crashing the big field with me and Kevin Tachi back in the day. Like I said, Marshfield Fair way back, and and you've been. This book has gotten to be honest. The book has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger because there's just so much stuff that you've been able to add over this great great decade of of history that this team has produced. Not only the decade that they produced their their information and, and things for you to put in there, but the stuff that was there before. So let's start about your influence to write that book way back when when you were writing it. The Patriots really it hadn't really taken off yet. It the the Patriots madness had not taken really off yet, but you started this book. Well, good evening and thanks for having me, Keith. And nice to meet you, Matt. And uh, welcome nice to, to you all well. our uh, audience here. Uh, yeah, in 94, I started researching the history of the Patriots, and it really started, I wanted to know the uniform number of every player, and I got a media guide, and there was a whole bunch of NAs next to their name, so I called uh, a few people and ended up with um, talking to Gil Santos, who uh, lived in Rainham when I was living way back in the day, and he says, get a hold of Richard Johnson at the Sports Museum, and Start your research there. And over a period of about 15 years or so, uh, I got a chance to meet a lot of the former chief statisticians of the team and Rodney Hobson and and Glenn Farley of the Brockton Enterprise and a lot of guys that actually, you know, did behind the scenes, that kind of stuff. And they hooked me up with a lot of uh, research that you really couldn't find. I mean, you know, this was really before the Internet, and a lot of the stuff that I uncovered was from the 60s and 70s. Uh, that really the only way to get that is to go to these guys that were chief statisticians like Will McDonough. I spent a lot of time with uh, the former uh, legend, uh, Will McDonough, and uh, some of these chief statisticians in the 60s and 70s, they had all these books that they kept copies in their attic, and they just gave them to me. And in my free time, I started collecting all the stuff that really some people didn't really care about, but I did, and uh, it blossomed into the first book that we promoted back in uh, – the shows that I was with with you and uh, Kevin and Joe uh, called Total Patriots. And and then about four years ago or so, Brian Morey of the Patriots Hall of Fame come up to me and said, you know, we have your Total Patriots book behind glass at the Patriots Hall of Fame. Is there any way you can take all that information and put it in like an Excel spreadsheet so we can have computer programmers put it into an interactive display so when they come to the Patriots Hall of Fame, they don't need your book. They can just push certain codes on the screen there and they can look up Kevin Falk or they can look up Joe Bellino or Gino Capoletti or whatever. And it took me about three years to put all that stuff in a uh, correct format so the programmer could, you know, add the pictures and some of the other mm-hmm. graphics at the Patriots Hall of Fame. And uh, that project finished in March. And since I had all that stuff already for them, I said, well, why not do another book and update the book? It's been 10 years. Everyone's been asking me uh, when the updated version of Total Patriots was coming out. Right, yeah. And the title, and uh, we said, all right, let's do Relive Patriots Moments, so Relive Patriots History, and changed the format, made it a little bit smaller, and made it even more intense because I had all this information that they needed. Great stuff. It's been great stuff. And, you know, back then it was a little bit easier to access the team. Now it's, you know, it's really tough now to get that access to the team, you know, after winning, you know, the six Super Bowls and things like that, of that sort. What has been your best part of putting this book together for you, for you? 
part of it is, that, you know, when I was doing the research, I would call Stacey James and the Patriots on their off day, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And can I come in? Can I come in? Can I do some research? And I would spend 10, 12 hours. And eventually they took every single game um, and the play-by-play of every single game and put it on a disc for me so that I wouldn't have to come in and bother them. So I looked at all the film and looked at all the sheets that they had, but now I have access to all that stuff here on my home computer. Mm-hmm. And in the process of not going there all the time, they actually hired me to work in the Patriots press room for 13 years. So I get actually paid to be there for the greatest really time. In 13 years, I was in the press room and part of their whole stat team. Wow. And Brady and Bronx. So, I mean, that was just glory. And, and being in the press room, you got a chance to meet. You know, I met Curtis Martin and I met Julius Adams and I met a lot of guys that would come in and, you know, they'd have to go through the the, the, the clubhouses and autographs and stuff. And then afterwards they'd hang out and watch the game. And I'd be hanging out with, with Rodney Harrison and, and those kind of guys – uh, when they got inducted into the Hall of Fame with Ty Law or th- those kind of players, I was like, "Oh my lord, this is amazing! You can't pay for this for, the, for that kind of access." And um, it's funny you mentioned uh, running back Curtis Martin because for me, being a Patriots fan for so long, there was that time when you realized that this team had made it. You knew that they were at that point where you could discuss them like the San Fran's and the Dallas Cowboys. This, there was a point. And there were some things that had happened that made me know that we were there. And I never forget, it was the Grammys and Tony Braxton won for Album of the Year. She goes, she gets up from her seat, she goes down and she kisses the person with her and it's Curtis Martin. And nobody knew. It was like the biggest kept secret in New England. But at that moment, I was like, we made it. I was like, we made it. This is where the Patriots need to be. It was a couple of weeks later. Jay-Z released the video, and they had a Terry Glenn jersey in the video. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. And it's, it's, it's great that you mentioned Curtis Martin, one of, the, one of the best running backs here. I missed him dearly when he left here. Yeah, and, and you look back. I mean, that's only 25 years ago that he was here. And in 1995, uh-huh. we were 6-10 and 10 in 1995, even with Curtis Martin and Ben Coates and Bledsoe and Troy Brown and Ty Law and Willie McGinnis. I mean, that's 25 years ago. We were six and ten. I mean, get over it, people. You know, you know, we'll come back. Yeah, Matt, I'm gonna let you go. Honestly, I think that's amazing that you have all that knowledge and all that stat stuff. I, I appreciate what you do because that's a lot of homework for sure. Um, so my thing is, when I was a true Patriots fan, I'm not gonna lie. You know, it, it was around the time when it was squeeze the cheese '96, and um. <laughs> You know, like you guys are talking about, it, people don't remember, you know, the the guys who got where it went Bledsoe to Brady and on. Like like Dave Meggett, Ben Coates, like yeah. stuff like that. Nobody remembers like what really got us there. I remember when I was a little kid listening, they say this guy out of Washington talking about Bledsoe. Like that was the beginning for me. And I'm like, this is we're on to something. You know, I was more mainly into a Bruins background. So to see the Patriots from then, and I really want them jerseys back. So if you can kind of get that back in with your <laughs> with your press stuff, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just evolved into a great thing. 
um, the, you know, we got lucky, but you know, these fans that we have, you know, it's like they almost fell off and it's, it's kind of like, you're going to desert a team after one season, especially with the hard times we're going through and, you know, the sacrifices the Patriots made and, you know, okay, Tom Brady left, but you're going to burn jerseys and do all that stuff. I don't, I don't go for that. That's like Carolina. They'll burn Cam Newton jerseys. It's, it's just ridiculous, but you know what? The Patriots will rise again and people will get over it. (laughs) That's all. But again, I appreciate you, Bob, for all the info and all the education and all the research and all that stuff when it's was it's not readily available now but but in the past it was great that you got these players that you said are na you don't you didn't have that so then you really searched and you found it that's amazing to me and finding you, all that stuff another level too so not only did i get all the uniform numbers but i got um did they start you know how many games did they play what college they went to and a lot of the college names have changed you know, because mm-hmm. of all this social, uh, political correctness and stuff. So, but I have the college nickname when they actually played for wow. that college. So, nice. even though they played 30, 40 years ago, they played for the USS, the U.S. Minute, um, UMass Minutemen instead of whatever they call it now. Um, so, looking up even the college and where they were born, there's so many players that were born in other parts of the country, in Nigeria or Germany, mm-hmm. and things like that. Wow. It was kind of fascinating to me to find out that kind of stuff and in this really Patriots history I even have the shortest guys and the tallest guys I mean Minnie Mac Heron was 5'5 five, five. we got a couple guys that were 5'6 and 5'8 I mean just to bring some of that stuff back and just make you chuckle and say geez we had a guy that was 5'5 five five. I'm 5'7 five, I, maybe I can <laughs> and then the guys that were 6'8 too so um, and then there's, there's probably about 100 nicknames too uh, that you bring back uh, some of the guys, you don't even know where they got their nicknames, but it was probably the food they ate, like pickles or <laughs> cornbread or something like that. Um, but then, then some of them are pretty easy, like Big Mac with uh, Willie McGinnis or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I had access to, you know, a couple hundred players and just to have a time, even 10, 15 minutes or an hour or two. I mean, I don't know how many hours I spent with Steve Grogan and Russ Francis and Stanley Morgan, guys from my era. And then even guys like Gino Capoletti and Nick Bonacani and Houston Antwine, some of the guys that uh, maybe have passed on, Larry Eisenhower from the 60s, they had so many great stories that people don't know about. They played at Fenway Park. People don't know that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, don't know yeah. nothing about that. They <laughs> dig a lot of that stuff up. And, I mean, there's so many guys, that, especially in the 60s and 70s, that I've heard stories and they're like, I went there with my dad when I was nine and I was there when I was 11 and 15. And if the first time you ever went with someone in your family, whether it's your brother or your uncle or your father, you remember that. You probably don't remember who played and stuff, but you remember being there and the smell and what it was, what it felt like. You know, if you went to the game in the eighties, you went sometimes, like you said, Keith, not to see the Patriots win. They, you went this just for the atmosphere and maybe to see a, a Terry Bradshaw or, or a Roman Gabriel or you know, Joe Deisman or just any team just to see football. And and the funny thing you talk about, you talk about, you know, going with your dad and that memory. And my my true earliest memory of going with my dad, because my dad worked for the MBTA, and the MBTA used to have their credit union, and you used to get tickets to all these games for cheap because the T supplied 
transportation to all the sporting events. And um, the very first Monday night game that I actually had went to, which ended up being the last Monday game for a long time, was that late win. And then the fans rushed the field and tore down the goalpost. And they had blow-up dolls in the parking lot. And I remember my, my dad, early on, my dad would never buy a car. He would always just rent the car. So if we went to, like, football games, he would go down to, like, the rental place and rent the car so we could go to the Pats game and drive there. And I remember he was rushing me to the car because they were throwing these blow-up dolls up and around. He didn't want me to see it and have to explain why they were throwing these plastic women up in the air. And Oh, but it was it was just a great atmosphere. I fell in love with that atmosphere right from the get-go, and I never looked back. So it was definitely yeah. something that stuck with me, you know? I mean, as we were sitting on aluminum benches, you know, and it was you didn't go for the audience, and and it was rowdy, and people were throwing things, and you know that game against the Bengals where they carried the goalpost out of the stadium. How do you carry a goalpost out of the stadium? Because <laughs> you know, yeah. there's no security; they just let you do it, you know, and to not only tear it down but then carry it out, and then carry it down about a half a mile without anyone bothering you. And then eventually they stuck it in a pole and people got electrocuted and that's what yeah, people back off. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember one game, uh, me and my boy, Mike, when we were season ticket holders, it was me, my boy, Mike, and his friend, John, we were all, we all went to the game. I think it was like my second year in and we had a bad, bad storm, rainstorm. It was the first couple of games of the year and it was, it ended up being thunder and lightning and they had to make everybody leave the stadium and go underneath because they were worried people getting on the electric chairs, getting electrocuted. So everybody's right. now underneath during the pouring rain. Beer cells were going up because we were, everybody was sitting there drinking beer until the friggin' rain would stop. But that was Shaper Stadium had some crazy, crazy memories. I love it. Um, there are some conspiracy theories in my mind that I feel went on with this news, with the building of the new stadium. There were some right. things that being a season ticket holder, like when the lights went out. Yeah, right. There was, there was yeah. some things there that night at that Jaguars game that's usually never there. And I said to myself, I said, they were pushing for a new stadium. And I felt that that whole thing was a setup where the lights go out just before they're about to kick the extra point. And that was, the, that was it. That was the embarrassment that led to them getting that money from everybody to get the new stadium. And I, till this day, I feel that was all orchestrated, in my opinion. Because I saw stuff there that night for that game that's usually never there in Foxborough. Well, one of the things that's in this book is I have the five wettest games, the rainiest games, the coldest games, the windiest Ooh. games, oh. the warmest games. So, you know, some of those games, you, you bring back a lot of memories. Yeah, I went to a Monday night game that we left at the halftime because we were just soaking wet and it was like seven to nothing. And in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, I think both teams scored like 50 points. Touchdown, touchdown. It was like we're, we're walking to our car and just hearing the, the crowd roar. And we, by the time we got to our car, turned the game on, it was like 38, 34. Because it was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. But it was a rain pouring game. And we're like, yeah, this is horrible. But it was, it was fun to be there. I think I went to a Titans game where it was, it was so cold that you got your beer. And before you got to your seat, the beer was frozen. I think that was that a was, bad game, yeah. Th yeah, that was that was a rough game. I made it through the whole game though, but it was that was a tough one to sit through. So, well, we, we stood inside sleeping bags. We bought <laughs> sleeping bags. They, allowed, they gave hand warmers. Blankets, so. They gave hand warmers at the gate. Yeah, yeah. 
Who who was your most starstruck person that you would that you met over these years? Where you kind of had a fanboy moment? Um, I really haven't because I, you know, I've been doing so much research and just meeting people. I mean, I think Ty Law was probably the the, the coolest guy that I met. Mm. Um, oh, Curtis yeah. Martin was couldn't have been nicer. Uh, Andre Tippett. You know, I got involved a little bit with him, getting him inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And when I went out there for three days, I actually met John Hanner in a luncheon. Oh. I was the only Pats fan in the room. And John and I talked for half an hour. And I was like, Andre Tippett just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And John Hanner is kind of presenting him. And, of course, you know, Tippett was doing all the media stuff. So it was just John Hanner and I sitting at a table. And I was like, and he's in his gold jacket, you know, at the oh, fame. Oh, and I was like, oh, my God. And then a little bit later, I met Gail Sayers and talked to him for five minutes, uh, which was unbelievable, in my, you know, because he was just standing there. And I talked to him, well, I'm waiting for my ride. Sure, I guess so. And I talked to him for a few minutes and talked about some of the games with him and Dick Butkus in the 60s. And uh, I, I was probably stuck, struck more of maybe Gail Sayers because that was off off the cup and it was just a different player and i just happened to walk up to him and talk to him that was pretty cool i i remember one year uh it was john madden's last go around on monday night football and i went to go to the bathroom and the game was was pretty much ending and when i was coming out the bathroom the game was over and this was back when they were sitting up at the end zone they always sat up high at the end zone was where they did the broadcast from not from the 50. And coming down the stairs, it was him and I forget who the other, I want to say it was, maybe it was Pat Summerall. It might have been at that time. But I remember I looked up, and I was fixing my jacket, and I looked up, and you know how you see the John Madden face from all the EA Sports yeah. games. I, I literally <laughs> dropped on my knees and just went, oh, my God. And he laughed, shook my hand. He says, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, dude, I was, like, ecstatic, so crazy stuff maddie anything you want to add man uh it's funny you you say that because the sad thing is people like kids nowadays don't even know who john madden is and they're like madden 2020 they're like well who who's who's this madden guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly And to add on with you, Bob, I mean, meeting Gail Sayers, I actually entered one of my second interviews and it was humbling to talk to and pretty crazy to talk to um, uh, Jim McMahon from uh, 85 Bears and, you know, sorry, the 86, 96, both paid both against the Patriots winning his Super Bowls, but just an unbelievable uh, guy to talk to, very calm and collected. It's just it's unfortunate with the crazy sports injuries he had, but that's sure. a good memory for me. And I swear to God, when I the Patriots games I've been to have always been the day before Christmas ones, where it's freezing cold <laughs> and it it's against the Dolphins when the Dolphins weren't really that good. Right. So it's like, uh, but they always won, and then you know. The cap of it all was the one I really wanted to see. I was uh, in the half. I was. Uh, I went to the bathroom. I came back, and my wife goes, Where, "Where's my drink?" So, <laughs> so I get her like a drink of a soda or something. Then I come back, and Gronk already has two touchdowns <laughs> while I'm waiting. So, 
I mean, there's a lot of great memories in the in those games. And another one was I was in the parking lot and my a couple of my buddies were like, it's gotta be 18 degrees outside and we're drinking beers and whatever. And we're like, with our gloves, we can't even open the thing. And, you know, and the people outside are great. You know, they, they're like, oh, you want some chili? Oh, sure, we'll, we'll eat your chili. We don't know who you are, but we'll eat it. <laughs> now now with, with COVID, you can't even. Yeah, none of that now. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of great memories at Gillette for me, but you guys had Shaper Stadium where it's like, I heard like you guys are drinking all the beers, their own like, uh, their own beers, right? Didn't you have, they have Shaper their own Stadium. Shape a stadium, shape a beer. One beer to have when you're having more than one. You can't have one, you gotta have six or seven. Oh, yeah. I have PTSD of the plastic cup syndrome. Because <laughs> they think. 1972, where there was the first Monday night game that they had there, and people didn't know how to prepare for the game. So it's an eight o'clock game. So people got there at one o'clock, two o'clock. Yep. So Ninety percent of the fans were probably into their second run of of being completely hammered, and they're playing the Baltimore Colts, and the Baltimore Colts are about the three yard line, and Don Nanningham gets the ball and is running uh, over the left side. He's going to run for a touchdown, and the Patriots fan don't want him to score a touchdown, so I start throwing things during the play, bottles, cans, whatever they snuggled in, and, and they. The uh, referees actually had to stop the play because they were getting hit and they voided the play. And he was clearly going to score a touchdown, but, and then they had to clear out about 200 people from the end zone and the five-yard line and said, you guys are all out of here. And they ended up arresting over 300 people that night, and they ran out of jail room. So mm-hmm. they just handcuffed them to the chain-link fence and had them sleeping off until 4 in the morning, and then they unhooked them, and you can go home now. You know, old so, school I mean, days, <laughs> and it was bad enough you had the trailer park right there on the property years ago. So you yeah. had all those people that were waiting for you to come through, and oh yeah, it was just a, just a craziness. So yeah. let people know how they can get your book, Bob. Yeah, so Relive Patriots History really covers the whole sixty years of the team. And it's on Amazon. We live Patriots history is on Amazon. I'm sure there's a different way you can get it from uh, eBay too. I've seen it on eBay. And if they want an autographed copy, just go to uh, Twitter and just follow me on Twitter. Bob, the stat man, pretty simple. Bob, the stat man. Um, I haven't done too many book signings because of COVID, but certainly uh, touch base with me or direct message me on Bob, the stat man, and I'll figure it out. You know, one of the interesting things about, your show and and you and Kevin is that I was actually born in Brockton. So, I mean, I'm a Brockton native. So if there's any Brockton fans out there, I'm with you, bro. You know, uh, hook me up through Bob the Statman on Twitter and we'll get you a copy and you'll love reliving all the memorable players and plays and games and nicknames and you name it. It's 460 pages of uh, probably 50 or 60 different top 10 lists of you name any category. It's kind of in there. It's kind of fun stuff. Nice, nice, nice. So I'm going to jump ahead here. I'll do my other stuff after we let you go. But I do want to jump ahead to the sports booth and talk about last night's game. The Patriots lost to the Buffalo Bills 38-9. to It was kind of surreal seeing the Patriots getting swept by the Bills when the past 20 years it's been 
you know, the Patriots have been taking it to the Bills. Um, This Bills team, I think when the Patriots met them, I think it was like week four, I had said, I think, Maddie, we we talked on this show. We we were very impressed by the Bills early on. They were one of the first teams out the gate that looked like they were going to be a contending team. They were a really good team. Um, For me, like I said, off air, you know, I knew this time was coming. I'm, I've been ready for it. I knew it wasn't going to last forever. Um, my amazement and my, my thing that depressed me the most is that, you know, the fan base who's now on Facebook and social media, Twitter, all that other stuff, you know, they don't realize what they had was special. People don't realize that when the Patriots started this dynasty, this wasn't supposed to happen. Everybody and every stat person and every financial person said there's no way the Pats can repeat. There's no way this can happen. The NFL salary cap does not allow it to happen. And this was after the first win. And everybody said there's no way they'll ever repeat. And they did repeat. And then when they said it, everybody said, no, that's a fluke. It's not going to happen. There's no way they're going to do it. The salary cap will never. And we we kept hearing this and kept hearing then after about that fourth Super Bowl, nobody said nothing about the salary cap before because the Patriots were making sure to let people know we know how to work the salary cap. Well, guess what, people? In all honesty, Bill Belichick said it best. He said it best. To sell their souls, kind of, to get those six championships and to get to the AFC playoffs and to AFC final games over these last 20 unbelievable years, you have to do what you do with the salary cap. And now they've gotten to this point where... It's time to pay the piper financially. And let's be real. Everybody knows the Pats right now, even though they look horrible in the field and the product out there isn't that great, cap-wise, the Patriots are on point right now, cap-wise, right now. And then again, you look at this team. If you get back the eight guys who opted out due to COVID, if you get a healthy Julie Edelman, this is a much different team. Mm-hmm. With with Edelman in that slot, even if Cam's arm is weak, I think Cam hits Edelman all day in the slot, and that opens up the running game more because now you got to you know protect that slot. And and once we lost Edelman, that was a wrap. That forced them to be able to push push up a linebacker, and and keep that run from going. So people, calm down. This is this is temporary. The the bleeding will not last for long. It's not that bad. My thing is, guys, I want to discuss, though, is the attitude and the actions of a couple of the announcers during last night's game. And it seems like with a few of these announcers that they have just been waiting for this moment for the Patriots dynasty to fall. They've been holding in special words. For me, I felt like some of them have been holding in special words just for this moment so they could just put it out there and just rub it in Bill Belichick's face. Because, let's be honest, Bill Belichick has controlled the narrative for the last 20 years. And now, guess what? He's not controlling it. So everybody who wants to say whatever they're saying it right now, and it kind of disgusted me to see some of these guys just revel in it last night on professional television. I'll start with you first, Manny, and then we'll go with Bob. Well, if you... we have, I have two things about it. So, like I said... Growing up in my era, you guys are, we were used to them losing. We were used to that. And then it started progressing in the mid-90s. So then you start seeing in 2000, 2001, we're actually a team again. 
So we're just keep winning, 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 winning. And, and to, some people never saw a championship and we've seen six. So now it's like roles reverse. Everybody is like baffled and confused. And it's kind of like, I kind of picture it like a millennial type of thing. Like, oh, well, <laughs> the Patriots should win 17 games in a row. Yes. You know? Like, well, well it's not logical and you know this playoff race is intense right now like like you were saying the bills they're no joke i mean you have stefan diggs and josh allen they're just crushing it from the offensive standpoint and the defense is stacked too and i have to say if any of you guys watched the uh miami game last week against Mm -hmm. la went just right four minutes uh, i would say four best four minutes in the fourth quarter this year and Fitzmagic gets his face ripped off for crying out loud. And he throws a dead straight pass straight on for a catch. And then they win the game. It's unbelievable. So, like, although it's a COVID-based, like, everything, I feel everybody feels like it's going to be an asterisk. But football's football. They're playing to the max. And, you know, as much as the Patriots were disappointing for this year, it's it's a learning process. It's not a winning year every year like we're spoiled as Patriots fans for the years we've had absolutely and hopefully Tom Brady doesn't make it to the playoffs but I know me and you have been looking uh Keith for Saints in Tampa Bay so I don't know I don't think he gets past the Saints I, I don't think so I think uh, Tom's, I don't either Tom's playing well but I don't think that next matchup I think I think it's Saints all day they looking too good well, Kamara scores eight touchdowns a, a game now. <laughs> Had six six last week. I mean, <laughs> unreal. But, yeah, we'll see. Your thoughts on – oh, what about the announcers? Your thoughts on the announcers, too. I felt it was a little unprofessional. And, you're, you know, you're a guy. You're a sports guy. You're in this realm now of sports broadcasting and podcasting. What are your thoughts? Do you think that was kind of overboard that some of these guys were going? That's you. That's you, Matt. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Bob's going to get the same question too, though. (laughs) I I, I don't like the guys who are announcing anyway. I never really respect them. I don't like, I don't like how they talk about anybody. Really. They just belittle most of the teams they have Mm -hmm. and like Fox's people, Terry, I mean, Troy Aikman is the only logical one in on fox i don't and well actually i should say jimmy johnson too very intelligent in the game of football terry bradshaw if you're not the southern southern boy like old school fishing guys shooting and shooting rifles and stuff you know you don't like you um but i mean al michaels and chris collinsworth as much as chris collinsworth is kind of like annoying but like those guys have class they don't belittle guys you know, so I did feel they were a little disrespectful to the Patriots. Um, no need for it. Those guys are just, you know, the part-time guys, you know. I don't I don't feel like they're necessarily, like, professional um, football announcers, really. I think they just have little knowledge. That's like Max Kellerman talking about basketball when we all oh, know he's God. boxing. We all know, Keith, he is a boxing analyst. <laughs> I can't stand Max Kellerman. Oh, my God. Bob, same question to you. You know, your thoughts on this 20 years ending and last night the actions of these announcers, which I felt was just, like I said, it was, oh. Well, let's talk about the announcers. So 
one of the sections in my book is all the TV announcers of every Patriots game, even though many of the games back in the 70s and 80s, they weren't even on local TV. Right. So yep. those names up and some of those names are really obscure names. And these guys are the same thing. They're really obscure. No one's going to remember them unless they make a name for themselves, unless they do something that maybe brings attention to themselves. And when you're jumping on the Patriots, you know, in that little video they did with, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, with Belichick you know, and Brady. You know, rubbing it in like that, you know. You know, that, that that gets attention. It gets ratings. It gets their name out there. But it was – I think it's lazy. And I think it's just – it's like you said, it's not really professional. These guys are just out there doing, um, you know, a C-plus type of game um, as far as their announcing and stuff. I, I don't think they, they understand football and – He's been around a little bit, but you know, he, he probably has some some feelings about what they did when he played for Denver. And there's there's a lot of people out there that really, really, really want us to go down. America wants the underdog, and we're not the underdog until next year when we come back from, you know, being the uh, six and ten this year. You know? Yeah, he made a comment. He said something. He said, yeah, well, when Josh McDaniel came to Denver, he didn't even know how to draft a quarterback. He goes, he goes and drafts Tim T. And I was like, damn, dude. I was like, that's kind of that's kind of unprofessional and harsh. Like, we don't need to go that far. Like, no. I was like, holy Christ, this is crazy right now. Like, I, I just, I like I said, I felt it was way, it, it just got to a point where I felt like they felt it was a blowout. There was nothing else to talk about. And they felt like, okay, let's bash the Patriots now because we can do this because we couldn't do it for 20 years. We can right. do this now. And I just, that's what I felt. And it's happening here in sports radio too. I, I couldn't even listen to 98.5 this morning because, you know, it, it's just the doom and gloom and all of this other crazy stuff. And it's like, dude, they're below the cap. They're, they've got a good spot in the draft. They can still trade up or do something. We'll see. It's... Yeah. Who knows, you know? You can turn it around. I mean, in 1974, we were 3-11. In 1975, we'll go 11-3 or 76, rather. You know, and the Raiders and then Parcells 6-10. and 10, The next year, they're in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you can turn it around pretty quickly in football. You need some components. You know, you need a quarterback. And, uh, and you got to, like you said, some of these defensive guys are coming back. And, I mean, Edelman's 34. Whether or not he's got one more season in him or not, um, and Chung is another one that's up there in age. McCourty is mm-hmm. – so we're probably going to lose a few of those kind of guys. But like you said, you mentioned over the 20 years, we lost Seymour, we lost McGinnis, we lost um, Ty Law, we lost Lloyd Malloy. I mean, you can go right down the list of all the guys that, you know, Belichick said, nice knowing you, we're moving on. Uh, these things got to happen, and they got to do it with Gronk and Brady, two of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah, like I said, it's just craziness. So, um, once again, social media, let people know where they can get this book before we let you go, man. All right, so Relive Patriots History. Um, follow me on uh, Facebook if you want. Uh, I have a Facebook group, uh, Relive Pat's History, or for that matter, why we love Boston. But the best way is just follow me on Twitter, Bob the Stat Man, and uh, check it out on Amazon. Uh, Relive Patriots History, 60 years of history, and Hundreds and hundreds of memorable moments and players. You name it, it's in there. And I'm pretty, sh- pretty sure the Dolphins' infamous snowplow is in there. Absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking that myself, too. <laughs> yeah. 
And for me, to be honest, I got to ask if this game's in there because this was another turning point for me with the Patriots when I felt like they made it. And I was at this game. Thank God I was at this game. The Minnesota Viking overtime game where oh, sure. Vincent Brown argues the coin toss. What are there any specific moments for that game? Because that was, to me, that was the turning point. That's when I realized this is it. We are not going to be a freaking doormat anymore. This is it. Because the Vikings was a big team in the, yeah. in '95. That they were they were supposed to come in here and smack the crap out of us on the Sunday afternoon on Fox, nation televised game, and they didn't. And it, that was a big game. So what do you have in your book for that? So I have all the game-winning touchdown receptions in the last second with Kimbrell Tompkins against the Saints. But nice. I have also every game-winning um, touchdown pass in overtime with Kevin Turner. So that's in there. I have every single player when they won the player of the week. So every offensive player, defensive player, special team player, and what they did for that game to get that award. And, of course, Bledsoe throwing 70 passes and not getting intercepted once, which was a miracle because he liked to throw it to the other team once in a while. Uh, yeah, that's probably mentioned eight or nine different times in this book. You know? Nice, uh, nice. And, and Bledsoe, for me, Bledsoe gets banged up a lot undeservedly. I argue this point with a lot of people. I see a lot of people, they, blash, they bash Drew Bledsoe. And I say, look, you got to realize something. Drew Bledsoe... He was a quarterback that was the end of an era. He was the end. That era was the end of the pocket passer. Why? Because what we started seeing was was that we had guys like Cordell Stewart and all these guys started coming out and they were mobile. And what happened was was that to contain these guys like the Cordell Stewarts and stuff, the linebackers that they started bringing in were smaller, leaner, faster. And what right. they said was we got to contain that outside. But what they learned was when they drafted all these leaner and faster linebackers to control the outside, they found that those inside linebackers were able to get to the quarterback because they were faster, quicker, leaner, and stronger. So the sacks went up, linebackers were getting in on quarterbacks like no tomorrow, and that was kind of the demise of the pocket passer because they had to they had to stop the mobile friggin' quarterbacks. So Drew Bledsoe, I get it. A lot of people didn't like, but it was like the error changed, and that's what happened. And people will say, well, you know, Brady was a pocket passer. I said, yeah, but the league evolved again. I said, what ended up happening is, is that it evolved again. In order to, to push those linebackers back, then you got your – tight ends, your Tony Gonzalez's and your Gronks and your Ben, all these tight ends that became superstars because the linebackers were trying to pass rush and the tight ends were going up and running those post patterns or those slant patterns and catching balls and taking it for yak. And then right. you realize, oh, I got to keep linebackers back just to fight these tight ends. So, it, like I said, in these 20 years, we've seen the sport evolve itself. We, we're blessed. We're blessed. Absolutely. So, man, I want to thank you for coming on this show, hanging out with us, and uh, it's good stuff, Bob. I'm going to have to definitely get you back on after or maybe around the Super Bowl, get your thoughts, and we'll get you back on the show again. So the last time I was on your show uh, for the Super Bowl, it was the Green Bay-Pittsburgh game. That's right. And uh, I predicted that Green Bay would win, and you won in Pittsburgh. And I remember that was in the Marshfield Pizza Place or something like that. Yeah. Yep, we did the show there. We did the show yeah. there. You're right. You're absolutely right. 
That, that was a good game. That was a good game. Was Gritty game. game. So we'll see what happens with Pittsburgh this year. They 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 played good this weekend. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with them. But Bob, I got to thank you for coming on the show, man. Happy New Year! Nice to meet you, Matt, and uh, we'll talk base in another month or two. You got it. All right, man. Take care. Thank you, Bob Hildeberg. We live Pat's history. Later. And jump on that book out there, and it's great stuff. Um, grab it, like he said, Bob the Stat Man on Twitter. He's out there, and uh, it is great stuff. And we can keep going on. Hey, Bob, Bob. <laughs> actually, if you want to hang out to close out this, you you got? Oh, did he already leave? No, I'm here. Yeah. You want to hang out with us so I can close out the show? I got my topics we talk about. Sure. Okay. Yeah, because I got about fifteen minutes left, and I'm going to roll through my topics here, <laughs> well, and we'll talk about that stuff. So I'm going to head into the news booth. As you guys can see, my sponsor down on the left, Michael Douglas Barreto. He repairs my Xbox controller. So if I break my Xbox controller, this is the guy that I send them out to. He fixes them for me. Michael Douglas Barreto. Twenty-four hours, forty-eight hour turnaround. It's great stuff. Great stuff. So we're going to move on. Got to mention my cousin Rebel Rom. Hit her up. Get some clothing. Jump on that. We're going to jump into the news booth, as you guys can see in the news booth here. Plymouth Canine Handler shoots his canine. This is a tough story, guys. Uh, this officer was going out. They were doing some type of search for a suspect. Um, took his canine out the car. Wanted to release the canine so he could search down the suspect. The canine actually turned on the officer. They said he did everything he could at the scene, and he ended up having to shoot his his canine partner and putting his partner down in Plymouth. That's a, it's tough. That's it's almost like shooting your partner. To be honest, these guys live with their dogs. They bring their dogs home. Guys have kennels set up in their houses. This is a tough, tragic story, and, and my prayers and heart goes out to the Plymouth Police Force. Uh, it's like I said, it's a tough story. Moving on into the news booth, um, over in the UK, COVID is popping its ugly head up after they've had some vaccinations. It's a mutated strain of virus of this COVID. The scary thing about this, and you want to keep your eye on this, is that this strain mutation of COVID has now popped up in Colorado. They have their first case of this strain. So we definitely want to keep an eye on this as this moves along people, because that means even if we're getting vaccinated, we're still going to have to be under these protections um, and be wary of this mutation. And this is something that Dr. Fauci had talked about. Also in Nashville, the bombing suspect, Anthony Quinn Warner, 63 years old, his remains were identified. Um, I was so glad that they were really quick to put out there that there was no ideologies attached to this bombing on Christmas morning. Um, this gentleman, it seems like he was one of these people who, you know, believe in the 5G conspiracy. He parked his van next to an AT&T building. His thoughts was, was he wanted to eliminate the building. Uh, thankfully, no one was hurt. Um, he kind of cared about the people who were going to be around because he actually put a warning in the countdown. It was it was great to see something that he, he at least cared about people. Um, but again, this is a, it's going to come down to unfortunately, it's going to come down to possibly mental health, which is one of the things we've talked about on this show. Mental health is ignored in this country, and it's been ignored, and it's been a big problem, as we've seen in Indiana, um, a special forces uh, gentleman opened fire in a bowling alley last Friday night, and he 
killed some people there. And, you know, we've talked about that on this show. We've worried about PTSD and saying, you know, that they, they know that this is a ticking time bomb. So our prayers and blessings go out to them. Um, we talked about the Patriots bills. There's no even need to talk about that. Um, here's a sports one guys. We're heading into the sports booth. This is, this is historic guys. Russell Okung plays for the Carolina Panthers. He's just renegotiated his contract. Um, 13 mil of his contract is to be paid in Bitcoin. He is the first NFL player to be paid in cryptocurrency. Now, for those who have been following Bitcoin, Bitcoin is up and coming. Um, They are saying within the next five years, if you would invest like so so much money into Bitcoin, you could possibly make 50,000 and up within the next five years on Bitcoin. This guy here, he has been asking to be paid in Bitcoin since 2019, since he signed with, with the uh, Panthers. I'm going to go around and let the sports guys think about this because Bitcoin's value is different. It's low. And I was real surprised that the NFL, to be honest, allowed it because you know, they're real, the NFL is kind of really quick when you try to find ways around to keep people under the cap and, and, and of sorts. Your thoughts on that, Bob? Do you think that's strange that the NFL allowed it and didn't really jump on it real quick and say, hey, let's check on this first? No, I mean, if you want to get paid, I mean, like you know, Bobby Bonilla, I mean, he's still getting paid, you know, a million dollars a year for the rest of his life or something like that. Yeah. Some negotiations out there and, you know, a lot of it, if you can spread it out or you can get some value out of it. Um, I mean, it's still a currency. It's still a currency that's worldwide. It's not something that's that unique. Um, and this guy's, you know, taking a shot that it might go up in value. So I say good for him. 13 mil? Jesus. If they're, if it's, if what they're projecting in the next five years, 13 yeah. mil, he'll be walking away from football in five years. <laughs> he'll be set for life. He could be a team owner. Um, Maddie, your thoughts? Because that this could change sports as we know it, not just football. This could change almost every sport if this takes off. You know, I didn't really know too much about uh, Bitcoin for a while. And I did see this. Um, I think I read about this today when I was on a break um, about that player. And um, I think the funny thing is, is, you know, I look at stocks, too. And there's different types of Bitcoin. So yes, I don't there's know different he, types of cryptocurrency. Yes, there is. Yep. Right. I didn't know if he was on the higher end of it or he was on the lower end of the Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I didn't hear either. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's. Hey, I mean, guys in their contracts say, "Hey, I want 13 mil with a Ferrari and like right. a brand new house with a." pool that looks like mickey mouse like so you know like he could ask for stuff like that and he could he could ask for anything and you know if he wants bitcoin that the team can either accept it or deny it so they accepted it so i mean it could be a good thing for him it could be a a a pro for him or a con if he loses the money you know right it's an up and down type of thing Right, it's a risk. It's a risk reward value, and like I right. said, it's it's this is definitely a story to kind of keep your eyes on because if his investment does pan out, it will it will change how players may want to be paid, as far as as Bitcoin goes. So, I think it's something to keep our eye on. It moving into the sports booth next story, rest in peace, Hall of Famer Phil Negro, 
Atlanta Braves, 81. One of the best knuckleballers out there. I saw him go up against Nolan Ryan one time, and it was a that was a battle. That was one of the best pitching battles I ever seen. Um, Phil Negro, I, that knuckleball. I know a lot of people grew up in that Red Sox era when the Red Sox went to the World Series, but Phil had it. Phil had the knuckleball. I remember playing Little League and baseball and trying to throw a knuckleball because of Phil. <laughs> yeah. Your thoughts, man? Anything you want to add to that, Rob? Well, I mean, two things. One is that he was a friend of John Havlicek growing up. And, you know, if we're leaning down that road, I mean, Casey Jones, too, was, was another guy. I think we should send our condolences to the family because, I mean, he was just a – the, the classiest guy ever, you know, in the Celtics and all that kind of stuff too. So Phil was a, you know, a deacon of baseball and with his brother, but, uh, you know, Casey Jones, the stories that are coming out with him and certainly Tommy from a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Casey Jones, uh, long life of 88, uh, God bless him too. Yes, yes, yes. And it's a tough one. So, you know, the Celtics are going to put their hearts behind that one. Maddie. Well, I didn't personally know this guy it was in my era. Um, I remember the Hank Aaron jersey looking stuff that he had. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to see sports legends like that pass away. And, you know, seeing, you know, like when me and you were talking, I think our last interview, we were talking about Gail Sayers and Brian's song and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it, I hear stories about stuff like that. Like what, like with you guys, you, you, when you were talking about the pretty much the snow Zamboni Miami and the Patriots, you know, like <laughs> I, I didn't get to see it. I didn't get to see like that guy throw knuckleballs and he probably had a killer knuckleball. I'm sure. Mm. So it's always sad to see stuff like that. Like when you um, sent me the link about the linebacker, um, Sorry, I can't. Kevin Green. Kevin Green, who passed away last week. Yes. Yes. Kevin Green. Pittsburgh Steelers guy. Being a crazy dude and just was a, was a, just a machine on the field. So it's tough to see stuff like that. Yeah. Like I said, and Phil, and I I get it too. Phil was back then when they was, you know, they were able to doctor the ball and things like that. But, but it was great. It was a great era of baseball and I'm not taking anything from him. So rest in peace for Phil, rest in peace for Casey Jones. And uh, moving on in the sports booth, our last topic in the sports booth. This is a big one. I was pretty excited. Breakdancing in Paris, France, 2024. Breakdancing joins three-on-three basketball and BMX racing in in the Olympics. I'm pretty ecstatic because for me, I feel like BMX racing should have been in the Olympics a long, long time ago. Three on three basketball. Three on three basketball is going to be very interesting. Thanks to Ice Cube's three on three basketball league, he brought that attention to it. So now that's going to be in the Olympics. But breakdancing as an Olympic sport is going to be great in Paris, France. I'm pretty psyched. But again, I can't wait to see the BMX racing. I, I grew up. I grew up in that era of BMX bikes in the '80s. I had I had a Schwinn Mongoose with the friggin' tough two mags and the knobby wheels and the double gooseneck with the Cobra handle grips. Trust me. I know all about BMX racing. Uh, I was a huge fan and I don't even know if this kid's still alive, but I grew up with a kid named Patrick Searcy who lived here in in Brockton. Patrick Searcy was one of the first kids in Brockton to go out to a nationals and win a trophy 
um, in BMX racing. So if he's still alive, if he's still out there, if you know Patrick Cersei, I know I gave you a shout. Your thoughts, Bob, on the Olympics, the new additions yeah. for 2024? You want to do stuff that entertains the crowd, you know, and, and you want a younger crowd too. So, I mean, I mean, who wants to watch synchronized swimming? You know, give me a break, you know. <laughs> I like synchronized swimming. I like synchronized swimming. Like <laughs> diving, maybe, but I don't know. But uh, it, 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 I mean, I rode a bike everywhere, through the woods, and we made our own ramps, you know, and, you know, we did all that kind of stuff, jumping in the air and stuff, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, you know, and it was way before BMX and crashing into trees and stuff like that. It was a blast, you know. If uh, the three on three basketball takes off, Matt, do you think they'll do the same thing in the Winter Olympics with three on three hockey? Or do you think they'll stick with just playing that regular format I, of hockey? I like that format, actually. Uh, I mean, if you have a defenseman, a center, and a, whatever wing you want, that's that's pretty cool. I, I like that idea. And for breakdancing, as long as they have Grandmaster Flash playing the whole time, it's all good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. Who's the DJ of the Olympics? Yo, Sinister One is here. I'm ready, yo. I'm ready to drop some art noise. <laughs> or some Apache. <laughs> <laughs> I would be all set for that. Uh, moving on into the entertainment booth. Did you guys see this behind me? Um, this is win. the New Year's Eve battle. Uh, Benson, the general, was on Facebook talking about who's the best artist writer of all time. And he was saying that R. Kelly has more hits than anybody out there. I, I disagree. Uh, Michael Jackson's on his own level. I said, I got to go with Prince. I said, if there's anybody out there, hit for hit that can take down R. Kelly, it's Prince. So we've decided to put this together. So on New Year's Eve, Benson the General is going to play 20 hits from R. Kelly, and I'm going to have 20 hits from Prince. The viewers will decide the winner. Um, it's going to be a good time from 8 to, I think we'll probably be over just in time before the ball drops, 11 o'clock. So make sure you hang out with us and check it out. Uh, it's good stuff. I actually had a promo, but I'm going to save the promo for another time, and we'll that way we can keep moving on in the entertainment booth. The entertainment booth, moving on. KRS-One releases his 23rd album. Between the protests, KRS-One has been around for a long time. The fact that he dropped number 23 is just crazy. It shows his longevity in the rap game. I listened to the entire album, and I was like, for all you mumble rappers out there on commercial radio today, you need to just take your stuff off the radio, go back home, get a fresh piece of paper, a brand new number two pencil, and rewrite everything for your catalog because it just doesn't it just doesn't stand up to anybody. Also in the entertainment booth, Wonder Woman 3 is in the works. It's been announced already. They're also thinking about working on the number four. The reason why this is is because Wonder Woman 84 was released directly to HBO Max. It actually did amazing streaming numbers and it did 17 million in the box office under COVID, which really wasn't that bad. The key here, like I said, was it was a big success on HBO Max on, th on Christmas Day. And my feeling is, is Marvel, get your asses together and release Black Widow on Marvel Disney Plus because it, it just goes to show you people like to stay at home and they're going to watch. My feeling is, is and I don't want to put any spoils out there, the movie was okay. It wasn't that good. It was the, it was a simple superhero formula. It wasn't that great. It was it was it it, it, it bided my time until the Celtics came on <laughs> and the rest of the games. Bob, were you able to see Wonder Woman eighty four? I have not, not yet. No. Matt, uh, not really interested in it. Not to be honest with you. See, I'm a Gal, I'm a Gal Gadot fan because she's 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 amazing <laughs> to watch on TV. But 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 even this movie was like, oh. You talk so. about this, Keith. I'm I'm all about it. Oh. 
<laughs> so 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 last week I talked about the Mandalorian on the show, and the, and and how the how it ended, and we'll we'll rewind with this because now we've got all of these videos out there of reactions to this final episode of the Mandalorian, where and it's I think we're two weeks past it, so it's not considered a spoiler. If you haven't seen it by now, you definitely know that Luke Skywalker came back in the season finale of the Mandalorian. I've been a huge fan of Star Wars since 1977. We talked about this. I talked about this weeks ago in the show. And I'm not going to lie. When I sat there and I watched that episode, I said pretty much everything that everybody who was watching. When the X-Wing came in and they said it was just a solo X-Wing, I thought it was going to be the old guy who had been trying to get Kara to sign back up with the Rebel Forces. So I thought it was him. But then when I saw the cloak, I thought it was Ahsoka. But then when I saw that green... I was like, oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're not about to do this to us. I, I, was, I, I remember I was on the edge of my couch with my, with my stepson, who, and he's 10, but he's been learning Star Wars through me. So even him at 10, he was even like, is that going to be who I think? I said, no. I said, it can't be. Because I'm, I'm like, this is Disney. And I'm sitting there like, this is Disney+. Disney Plus. They're not going to bring that to us. This is going to be some letdown. This isn't really going to happen. And man, when it happened, I, look, I almost had to go to the hospital. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I had a tear in my eye. I was torn up. You? <laughs> How were you, Matt? How'd you handle it? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I, I, I was yeah, like, right. <laughs> I was. I, I kind of predicted it myself. And my wow. wife had a good one, too, with Obi-Wan. And so, I mean, after that, I mean... I was surprised, but it's like I wasn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy. Uh, I was just happy with the ending. I really was. And just how it went down. Yeah, um, the music and everything was, they, it was just everything. Everything was on point. The timing, the, the CGI and everything was perfect. Like, unreal. Bob, you're about as old as me, man. What were your thoughts? You're a Star Wars guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. so uh, I remember. The Return of the Jedi, I was on a date and uh, my car broke down and uh, on the way home from the movie. And I actually had to have someone tow us home and stuff like that. So that that movie brings back, you know, a memory. I mean, it, we, we broke up after that. And, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, those Star Wars movies just blew you away. And uh, I'm glad that they're still keeping that stuff out there because there's so much entertainment there. Yeah, Disney Plus killed it. They they really killed the series. Even though it was the second season, they killed it again. Um, I'm look, just the Mandalorian alone is worth my eleven dollars a month for for Disney Plus, and and that's not mentioning all the Marvel stuff that I enjoy and love and can't wait to see all this new stuff from Marvel. But the eleven dollars a month, I would pay that just to see the Mandalorian. That's how that's how good it was. So, I mean, I, I can't wait. So, moving on, let's see here. I think we're coming out of the entertainment booth. I got to go in the Trump Troubles booth. Trump Troubles booth is kind of phasing out. We're heading into the Biden bombshells booth. Um, But Trump issued 26 pardons last week. Three of those pardons include Stone, Manafort, and Kushner's dad. Um, (laughs) Some people were calling it the three phases of evil got pardoned. (laughs) So I said, man, this is a tough one. But again, Trump warned everybody. He said this was coming. And he's doing it. So... Who knows? This is it's almost over, people. It just let's just get to January twentieth and woosa. <laughs> woosa. Um also for Trump troubles, the House overrided 
uh, Trump's veto of $740 billion defense bill. That $740 defense bill is going to go through. It's going to supply money to the military and the troops. I'm very happy to see that go. Um, Trump, over the weekend, he agreed to the $2,000 increasing the coronavirus stimulus checks. But then today, McConnell comes and blocks it. So nobody's getting the $2,000 checks now because um, it got to the Senate, and we'll see what happens there. Um, again, we have to wait till January 6th and see what happens with this election because the election really isn't over till January 6th. Um, and we'll have to see if Mike Pence puts the nail in the coffin or if he uh, allows this vote to take place on the floor of the Senate. Who knows? Um, a lot of people are thinking it's not going to happen. They're thinking that everything's going to roll the way it needs to roll, and then we'll be headed toward January 20th. But uh, before we get out of here, as you guys can see down below on the left there, below Bob Branded Bills, right there, my man Matty C, he's got the hat on. Sinister One Productions hat, Branded Bills. Put the hats out for me. Um, nice knit hats with a leather patch on it. As you can see here, those are the Sinister One Production beanies. And I got to thank all these people here who've been uh, showing their support. Daryl Smith with his beanie. I got my stepson, Reb Beeson. Ryan, he's got his beanie on there. Um, Ron Canfield, thank you for your support. Viana Marie with hers, thank you for your support. There he is right there. UFC fighter Peter Barrett, thank you for your support, man. There he is right there. <laughs> Maddie Cameron with his hat on, fresh out the mailbox. Travis Partington, Oscar Mike Radio, also on Thursday nights, rocking the red one. Big shout out to Travis Partington. He was on Beyond Marie's Christmas album. He did Silent Night. If you want, go check it out. Great stuff. And um, again, show your support. Check out these podcasts, Oscar Mike Radio, Maddie C Sports for you and me. Maddie, I'm going to let you tell people where to get your show. Watch it in your social media, man. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, I'm all over Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff, but been going switching over to mainly zoom stuff uh so you'll see me on youtube you'll see me on facebook live igtv stuff like that just look for maddie c sports for you and me um tomorrow night seven o'clock or eight o'clock um probably aiming for seven i have a special guest uh theo flurry my last um interview of this of the year which will be the end of season one of this whole thing so i want to thank you keith as well for helping me with all this stuff You've been the number one since the start. And uh, Travis and everybody, if you're there, Slippery Pete, thank you very much. I'll be rocking your stuff tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, so thanks, everybody. And, uh, yeah, check me out on all that stuff. And keep watching the booth, too, because Tuesdays is the best time to watch it. And I got to tell you something, guys. Hey, for those who don't know, you know, a lot of people reach out to me. They ask me for help. And I don't, you know, I don't like to take credit for a lot of stuff. You know, I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I'm not one of these rah, rah, rah people. Um, but I got to talk about how super impressed I am with Maddie Cameron right now. Because Maddie Cameron came to me through another DJ, DJ George Bain. And DJ George Bain had hit me up like late at night one night. It was like almost 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. He said, hey, I got this guy that's trying to start a sports podcast. And I told him, there's nobody he wants to deal with but you. I said, well, I appreciate that. He says, no, because I know you're going to tell him how it is and, and, and make sure his show is the way he wants it to be. And Maddie came to me. We had a discussion. Um, I said, I can have you on the air. I can have you doing your show this fast. And we talked, and he told me his ideas. I said, this is how we go about it. And you put that first episode together. And um, you had some great guests right out the gate. You actually had um, Peter McNeely was one of your early shows uh, yeah. right out the gate. Peter he McNeely. got his number anytime, too. And, yep. you know, he's a very nice guy. Yep. And I remember you put the show together. 
you let me hear it. You hit me up and you was like, yeah, how was it, man? This, 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 this. And I come right out. I told you. I was like, the sound wasn't this. You know, and I said, and I said, I'm gonna treat you just like I treated Travis. I'm not gonna sugarcoat right. it. I'm gonna tell you what you need to know right out the gate, so you can fix it right out the gate. You know, I told you that your delivery was this and this, and here we are. We are a year into this, and you're interviewing guys like Theo Fleury for the second time. You've interviewed guys like Jim McMahon. So when people are out there and I see you talking about starting podcasts up and getting four weeks into it, and then you're getting out of it and you're not doing it, and then you're back into it, and then you're complaining about why your podcast sucks or why people aren't watching. Everything that I've told this guy, he's done it. Don't be stagnant. you got to keep it going, and, and it will come. And the fact that you've gotten guys like Theo Fleury, Jim McMahon, um, Peter McNeely, you, you've had some great guests on your show, so i got to give up and give you props right now because you Thanks, freaking brother. kicked ass in 2020. Maddie sees to support you and me. You branded your shit right off the bat. You've got your logo. You get, like I said, you're right there. And now you've made this connection here with Bob Hildberg because you do a sports Bob, show. What a great, what a great um Yeah, get him on your that. show. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, get him on your show. That's a that's a great I would love to uh, anytime. I will uh, yeah, I will get your email right there and I will send you something. We'll talk Patriots all day. Yeah. Got, yeah, that's a more, give that's him more knowledge score. before nineteen ninety three. Great stuff, man. So good stuff. Um, we are at, we are at, yeah, the time to go time. Um, again, New Year's Eve, people. I will be online battling. Check these guys out. And again, Maddie, man, you're killing it. I got, I, I'm super impressed. I'm so happy, man, for you. Great stuff. And Bob, like I said, it was way back at Marshfield Fair, man, when I seen you with that book, and you still <laughs> grinding twenty years later, man craziness and, I, and i'm i mean i love the journey I've, I've met so many people i mean the, the best story i think is a 16 year old girl that wanted to buy the book she was nervous and she's i want to study this book because i want to be smarter than the boys i want to be a sports master <laughs> i like that you know and i said that's the reason i wrote the book for someone that's 12 13 14 15 and someone that's 70 and 75 and then everyone in between to, to not only have the knowledge because we're the best fans in the world um but to bring back a lot of these memories and just have stories like we had tonight about, you know, the games with you and your dad or all the crazy stories at Shaver Stadium or even, you know, the Titans game at five degrees below zero. There's yeah. so many hundreds of stories out there. So bring them all back, and that's what this is all about. And, guys, anybody out there who's following Bob, he's the real deal. If you go on his Twitter page, you'll see a ton of media sports personalities in the Boston area, some top-tier people tweeting his name and, and, and responded to him. So it's great stuff. And I see it. I'm like, damn, you know, this is great stuff for Bob because I've known this guy for a long time. So I thank you for coming on this show. So, hey, Pleasure. guys, I thank you for coming on the show. We are at the end of the show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, hanging out with us. But all I got to say is, is wish everybody a happy, safe New Year's. And SpongeBob, do me a favor. Take us home. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on HooperZoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I gotta start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. What pleasure was to I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me now, you guys, Talk to people down south, and they're big college football fans. Like you said, you know, you guys, and you're in here. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it play. Don't do cocaine with your chick. My main is
listening to the booth on hoobazoo and hatcheradio.com please follow the facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at apple podcast iHeartRadio, and spotify the booth is a sinister one production hosted by sinister one i've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand 